Good morning, my name is Wally. I'm the lead pastor here. As I get all my stuff set up, uh, it is a good day uh, to gather as God's people. And uh, we're glad that you are here today. I want to make note of one thing before we get started on our sermon today. On the chairs, you'll see this lovely light blue card. Um, As we head into 2023... Uh, we're looking to reach out. This past year was all about looking back, looking back at what God has done for us as a church over the last 70 years. And next year, as we dig in and we challenge you to seek God, to study God, and to serve God even more than you have, um, we're going to reach out. As Abacook comes and helps us to figure out how we can serve our communities better, um, It's going to be a glorious, great year. And so I want you to take this home and put it on your refrigerator, put it on the uh, bathroom mirror, put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day and begin to pray, God, what do you want from me in 2023 as our church reaches out? And there's some verbiage on the back. Uh, We're not asking you to do this today, but at some point between now (coughs) and the first week of January, we're going to ask that you commit to reach out with us for 2023. And so we want to just put that in your hands, put it somewhere where you're going to see it so that it annoys you, um, so that then you pray, and so that we can get busy doing what God needs us to do here in the greater Lansing area. So today we're talking about Christmas presents. Uh, Eric did an awesome job last week of leading us through how God sends hope in the form of a little baby. And if you haven't, if you, if you didn't hear uh, his sermon last week, go online and find it because it was stellar. There were multiple times where uh, Walter and I were in the back when he talked about uh, teenagers misusing energy drinks and how we treat God's hope sometimes like this little Dixie cup. I looked at Walter and I'm like, whole. Uh, It's awesome. You need to take a moment and listen to it. Uh, But last week, he lit the candle of hope. And we're doing this thing called Advent this year where uh, uh, on your way out, if you haven't picked up one, we have Advent kits that are available that is this lovely little stand and um, four candles so that throughout the week, you can stop and pause and think about God coming as the hope in the form of a little baby, that God sends us love in the form of a little baby, that God sends joy, and that God sends peace. And we have to ask the question, why Advent? Advent coming from a Latin word meaning Adventus, and that coming from the Greek word parousia, which means God's coming. And if we look at Israelite history, they were in a spot where they were constantly looking for this Messiah that God said he was going to send. God bound himself to Israel at Mount Sinai through the covenant with Moses. He walked alongside them, even though they abandoned him as their king, and they went on an earthly king, as the kings took over and made kingdoms and then failed. God stayed with them the whole way. This is a picture of an artist's description or um, idea of the second temple. You know, in the last three years, we've read through the Bible. In Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, the kings of Persia send back Israelites and they rebuild the temple so that they can have their place of worship again. 
but they're incomplete because they're just a people in a place. They have no king. They have no purpose. They're waiting for that Messiah. And in the process of that, they're right in the middle of big kingdom and big kingdom. So they're like the punching bag along the road from Persia to Egypt. And it's easy for us to think, wow, they do need hope and love and joy and peace in that moment as they wait. But if you think about it and you look at the way that our lives are right now with wars, uh, global warming, um, the amount of hate and rage that are within uh, just the people around us and in the world, um, the mess of COVID over the last three years, and just the, the world has gotten itself into a big giant mess, and it seems to continually get worse and worse and worse. And so there's a need for us to pause at Christmas and not get lost in packages and Christmas songs and what have you, to pause and to remember that God sends hope, God sends love, God sends the little baby as peace and joy. And so today we're going to talk about love, and so I'm going to light the, this second candle, see if I can catch myself on fire. No, that would, I would just burn, I should have pre-lit that. So we're going to talk about love today, and we're going to start uh, in the lovely gospel of John. John is the odd gospel. Um, he doesn't follow the roadmap of the other three, and sometimes uh, he takes longer to tell things, but it is okay. And so uh, if you'll join me in chapter 1. And if, as we read today, just think about this as another version of Jesus' birth. Because it is, even though it's quirky, because John is focused somewhere different. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So let's pause there. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, Jesus was, just as God was. John wants us to know that Jesus doesn't just come on the scene later on, that he is there with God in the spirit that is hovering over the waters, as Genesis tells us. And he starts his book just like Genesis, in the beginning, to sort of connect us back to when God created because he wanted to and fell in love with his creation. But then there is this Jesus who was there. Through him all things were made, and with him nothing was made that has been made. And that is sort of confusing. But it just means he was there. It is through him. He was involved in the creative process. And without him, nothing would have been made. Pretty easy, pretty cool to know that God is there and engaged. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. If we think as God creates, he puts uh, the water in its place and the heavens in its place and the land in its place and he creates the animals and he creates the fishes and he creates all of the trees and everything and he creates man as his, his uh, grand masterpiece made in his image. Um, and in that he puts his light in his life. 
And so what John is saying here, that Jesus is that light. He is in the midst of everything going on. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. Himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And you know, we've read the story of Jesus is coming in Luke and uh, some of it in Matthew where we hear about this John who is Jesus' cousin who was born earlier to declare the coming of the Messiah. Make way for the Messiah. Lower the mountains, raise the valleys, make the path straight for this Messiah who is coming. And we get to see some of the interactions he has with Israel there in uh, some of the Gospels. And he's simply calling us to look for and to watch for the light, this Jesus. The true light that gives light to everything was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Uh, if we think back over God's story, which we're, we're, if you haven't figured out already, I'm a big proponent of God's story. When we talked a couple weeks ago when I preached in Proverbs and I preached in Job, I like big story because it's God's story that helps me to know who I am and where I fit, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But if we think about God's story in this little passage, God creates, man screws it up. God creates, man screws it up. And they're continually chasing after the darkness. But Jesus is coming to show more. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. How, how, does that excite you that you get the chance to be called a son of God or a daughter of God? Um, that brings hope and love and joy and peace. And then the culmination. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, that word, he made his dwelling among us. In Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message, he says that God moved into the neighborhood. Um, and we see that earlier in Scripture as God binds himself to Israel at Mount Sinai. How many of you remember the Charlton Heston movie? Charlton Heston goes up on the mountains to get the Ten Commandments, and if, if I'm showing my age, you should watch the movie because it's really good, even though it's written and made way back in the day. Um, he goes up on the mountain, and God binds himself to this Israel, says, I'm going to make you a holy nation and a royal priesthood, and I'm going to write my name on you. And right after that, God gives them some directions on how to set up his tabernacle where he is going to reside in amidst the people. 
And so here John is showing us that this Jesus is doing just like the Father has done earlier. He's moving into the neighborhood, but it's not in the pillar of fire and a cloud on a, on a building. Uh, it's in the form of a little baby, which is odd and weird. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's look at chapter 3. A little bit later on, uh, Jesus has begun his ministry, and there's this guy named Nicodemus who's a ruler of rulers. He's part of the governing authority of Israel in that day, and John tells us that in the middle of the night, he comes to Jesus, because a ruler of Israel going to see this Jesus is a dangerous thing for him, because they don't like Jesus, because Jesus stands against all the power and all the position that they have. And he has this conversation back and forth with Jesus about how to be born again and so on. And then John gives us this lovely piece of Scripture, which you've seen at football games and soccer games and whatever over the last decade after decade. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Um, God sends a part of himself, his son. I've got a daughter and there's no way I do that. So for us, uh, to wrap our brains around that is a bit of a challenge. And then even, even more, the not to judge the world, but to save it. Uh, when I read that as I was working through this, you know, the church, uh, the church has looked very, very, very judgmental. How do we act in a way where we look saving? Thoughts that come into my head as I preach and as I read, I'm not going to talk about that, but just let that sit in your brain. How do we as a church not show judgment, but show saving and grace? Um, as we continue on, whoever believes in him is not condemned. That gives us hope. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This then is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But the people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear of their deeds will be exposed. Uh, as Matthew puts, as Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount, says you don't hide a light under a bowl, you put it on a post so that it can shine and show everything. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So the light of the world has come into the world because of God's love. 
And all too often when we talk about that, uh, Christian, uh, Christmas looks like this sometimes. A beautiful, clean, merry, all put together, white hat, everybody reflective on this perfect, beautiful, non-crying baby. Uh, it wasn't like that. I was, I was a witness to my daughter's birth, and I stayed north of most of that, but she looked like an... She looked like an alien when she was born. (laughs) Mary had just ridden on a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem so they could be counted in Herod's census. And riding six hours on a car makes you look like a wreck. What do you think about riding a day or two on the back of a donkey when you're pregnant? Uh, So it's, it's not sterile and clean. Uh, there are cows and donkeys and whatnot, and they stink, and there's poop. Uh, it's, yet it's fitting. Uh, God sends this little baby into the world because a world needs saved. What does that say about God's love? Or God's trust. That he would would send a helpless little baby to be put in a manger uh, to be cared for by who he's coming to save. If we look at uh, God's story, God creates, tells Adam and Eve, everything here is for you to lord over. You are made in my image. Don't do this one thing. And they do it. Uh, A little bit later, uh, get a hold of yourself, Wally. Good Lord. (sighs) Pardon me. Uh, A little bit later, God is so frustrated with his creation that he wants to whack it. He's going to send a flood, but he sees this guy, Noah. So through Noah, he saves the world. And what does Noah and his family do? They wreck it. God wants to bind himself to this Israel, Israel, the descendants of Abraham, He's choosing a different route. Working through the world hasn't worked, so I'm going to bind myself to this people. I'm going to put my name on them. I'm going to call them my royal priesthood. Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. Charlton Heston, we return there. What does Israel do? They make a golden calf. Uh, It continues. God wants to be their king. He takes them into the promised land. This is all good and well. Israel says, "Uh, God, we don't want you as our king. We want an earthly king. Somebody like the other kingdoms around us, somebody to rule over us. And God says, that's not good. And Israel falters and falters until they're almost completely wiped out. And we've read the story. We've spent the last three years reading the story. All along the way, 
God loves and God trusts. To step back towards his creation. Uh, Just like he does with the baby. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. So that leaves us to this. We have to decide what we do with God's love. It's right there. It's all throughout his story. So it's a matter of what you're going to do with it. It's a matter of what I'm going to do with it. And it matters what we're going to do with it. Maybe you're at a spot where uh, you need to come face-to-face with God's love and not be judged but allow uh, your sin to be forgiven. Uh, This is a place where we can do that. Maybe you're at a spot where you need to take a next step and... uh, Stop wasting time watching Instagram or TikTok or binge-watching whatever the latest, greatest show is and crack open the Bible and read for a while. Uh, Maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe you need to sell some stuff that distracts you from God. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to a world that needed saved, to a world that had to care for his son. Uh, We are going to celebrate in communion, uh, acknowledging that that son came and was raised up on a cross to die for our sins, uh, to be buried, and to raise to new life again. And so as we do that, I want to encourage you. uh, There are tables around the room. I'm going to ask that you get up and move once we start singing. Um, And as you pick up the bread and the juice, think about a little baby and what he is calling you to do with God's love. There are going to be people around the room with blue lanyards, But if you need to pray, uh, grab somebody and pray. If you need to have a conversation about engaging in God's love for the first time, grab somebody in the blue lanyard, come up afterwards, catch Walter or me or Eric or one of the elders. Uh, We can't just let a baby lay in the manger all nice and pristine and perfect. We have to respond. It's up to you. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you would trust us um, 
as your creation as many times as you have. As we uh, now take time to pause and to reflect on what that little baby did for us on the cross, uh, may you challenge our hearts with your love and your grace. that we would know that our sins are forgiven and that you have made us sons and daughters. We thank you for your son and for your grace.